0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It's game day. We've got Lakers versus Bulls tonight, and this. It's a big one. The Lakers badly need a win coming off of that loss to the Knicks, also dropping a game to the lowly San Antonio Spurs. The Lakers need to get back to their winning ways and pick up a W tonight. In Chicago, we need to get into the injury report today. I've got a mailbag to get into, a whole host of other things. But before I do, make sure if you haven't done so yet, you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And don't forget to check out our membership program. Click that join button. And you can see all the great perks that membership offers, including bonus shows, opportunities to come on our shows, all kinds of extra emojis, and plenty of other goodies as well. Anybody who doesn't know me yet, I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane, or I guess I should should be in the habit of calling it X now. Still not quite there, though. But threads, Instagram, you can find me at Trevor Lane NBA. All right, lots to get into, as I said. And let's start things off where, unfortunately, we've had to start things way too many times for the Lakers this season. That's the injury report. We actually have a little bit of good news today for this one. So, currently, the Lakers, their injury report came out. And surprise, surprise, he's back. Gabe Vincent listed as probable to play for the Lakers tonight against the Chicago Bulls. I know, I know, the jokes they write themselves. The Lakers showcasing Gabe Vincent for the Bulls. The Lakers rumored to be interested in a number of Chicago Bulls players, including Zach Levine. You've got, of course, our old friend Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan. I've mentioned that Andre Drummond might not even be a bad target. Nikola Vucevic for a Lakers team that could certainly use some help in the middle. But nonetheless... Yes, Gabe Vincent's contract is very tradable, just $10.5 million, but Vincent has not played since the fourth game of the season, has been dealing with knee issues since then. Welcome back, Gabe Vincent. Hopefully he can get back and get back to his Miami Heat-style days because so far for the Lakers this season, he has not shot the ball well. He is literally shooting 7% from three, but once again, Just a four-game sample size. So good to see Gabe Vincent back. I am curious to see what's going to happen to the rotation. How do the Lakers mix him in? I'm expecting very limited minutes for Gabe tonight. But nonetheless, welcome back. Good sign that he's getting healthier and able to return finally to action for a Lakers team that, well, let's be honest, has been dealing with one injury after another after another. In fact, most of the season, they've had an eight-man rotation at most because they've had so many players out due to injury. So welcome back. Gabe Vincent, in this one tonight. A little bit of news on the Jared Vanderbilt front as well, who was also listed as probable. Vanderbilt revealed after the game against the Knicks, which saw him actually looked like he aggravated his heel injury uh, during the game against the Knicks, got tangled up with Isaiah Hartenstein, and it just kind of came down awkwardly. It was He was grimacing, clearly was in some discomfort. Jared Vanderbilt revealed that He's not 100%. Like, he's out there on the floor. He's playing, but he is not 100% for the Lakers right now. But he did reveal that the reason why he is battling through and trying to do what he can despite not being 100%, well, it's because he believes the Lakers are a contending team and he wants to be able to give them everything that he's got and he will play his way back into, number one, back into shape, conditioning, all that sort of thing. But also, hopefully, the heel injury will get better and better and better as the season goes on, dealing with heel bursitis. Certainly a difficult thing to play through. But nonetheless, Jared Vanderbilt, not 100%. I think you can see that when he's out on the floor. I've had a lot of people asking, why isn't Jared Vanderbilt getting more minutes? Why isn't he getting more involved? Uh, Because he's not at 100%. He's not at full strength. And you can see it out there. He can give you little spurts where he looks like his old self. And hopefully, as the season goes on, those spurts will become lengthier and lengthier and lengthier. So eventually we get full Vando back in action, but right now he's in fact somewhat limited because he is not nearly at full strength. All right. Tonight's game should see a Lakers team. That's relatively healthy. Again, Gabe Vincent back in action, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are listed as questionable, but we know they're going to be listed as questionable for pretty much the entirety of the regular season. Now with their injuries, Anthony Davis still dealing with that hip issue, LeBron James, the calf, but both of them are going to be listed as questionable for the bulk of the season. So right now the injury report actually with Vincent coming back and Vando also probable to play, it looks pretty clean for the Lakers. Jalen Shafino, the only player who's definitely out still dealing with back spasms, he will not play for the Lakers. But other than that, it looks like they should have pretty much everyone available. We thought everyone was going to be available against the Knicks, did not happen, looks like it's going to happen tonight against the Chicago Bulls. Let's get into that matchup. Uh, If you guys want to watch the game with us, come join us over on playback. You can find us there. Playback.tv slash Lakers nation. Watch the game directly with us. Hang out with us during the game. It's a good time. We talk hoops. We watch the game together. We celebrate good plays. We bemoan bad plays. It's a lot of fun. So again, playback.tv slash Lakers nation. Come join us tonight during the game. But Lakers-Bulls, let's talk a little bit about this matchup. Now, this is, looking at this week, and I think this it's the week itself that really puts even more importance on this, the Lakers have been talking about how difficult the month of December has been for them schedule-wise, and they're not wrong. They've been on the road a ton. They've been bouncing back and forth. When they do return home to L.A., it's for a day or two, and then they're right back out on the road. It's been a grueling month. And that is part of the reason why that loss to the San Antonio Spurs the other day, that is so damaging because they've had so many difficult games. You drop a game, a winnable game to the Dallas Mavericks. You drop a winnable game to the Knicks. But these are not teams that you necessarily should beat. These are teams that can give you a run on any given night. You play, in ten, play both those teams 10 times. You hope that you win six of them and they're going to win four. And off you go. But the Lakers happen to drop both those games to the Mavs and to the Knicks which makes the loss to the San Antonio Spurs sting that much more because that's a game that you should win nine times out of ten, if not more. The Lakers did not play some guys and were not able to pick up the win in that one. So then you go and you drop the game to the Knicks. Now, tonight, you're taking on the Chicago Bulls and you look at the schedule ahead. Here's what the Lakers have. Right now, by the way, the number one seed in the East, it's the Boston Celtics. Number one seed in the West, it's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Number two seed in the West is the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Lakers play after tonight's game against the Bulls. They play in this order. Minnesota on the second night of a back-to-back. Oklahoma City in Oklahoma City. And then return home for Christmas Day against the Boston Celtics. So you're playing the top two teams in the West by record. Top team in the East by record. That's who you get. After this game against the Chicago Bulls. And I think that's what puts that much more importance on this game. You went 1-3 coming out of your in-season tournament championship. Your one win was against the Spurs. Then you dropped the game against the Spurs. You lost to the Knicks. You lost to the Mavs. You have to win this one. You have to take advantage. If you're the Lakers, take advantage of this matchup against the Bulls. Get the W. And then move on. Because you are heading into a very difficult stretch. Now, I'm not suggesting the Lakers are going to go 0-3 against the Wolves, the Thunder, the Celtics, or anything like that. But 1-2 is certainly possible. Gosh, I hope the 1 is Christmas Day against the Celtics. Uh, Tomorrow against the Wolves? I don't know. That's that's brutal to have to go second night of a back-to-back on the road in Minnesota, a team that's known for locking people down defensively that's going to be a rough matchup. Oklahoma City is not going to be an easy matchup, especially Especially, not only are they a good good team, but I think guys are going to be looking ahead to the game against the Celtics. So once again, all of this shifts importance to tonight's matchup against the Bulls. The Lakers need to get one in the win column. They are sliding too far in the standings in the Western Conference. Again, felt great to get that in-season tournament win, but going one and three after that, losing to the Mavs, losing to the Knicks, losing to the Spurs, that hurts. That definitely hurts, and the Lakers need to get it done tonight. Now, unfortunately, though, the Chicago Bulls, I know we think about this team and we say, well, this should be a win, though. This is a game the Lakers should win. Yeah, but not quite to the same degree that it used to be. The Chicago Bulls at one time this season, they were they looked awful. Now Zach Levine is out due to injury, and maybe this doesn't bode well for the Lakers in their trade efforts to get Zach Levine. But the Bulls have actually been better without Zach Levine. In fact, they ranked 10th in net rating over the last nine games. The Lakers ranked ninth in net rating during that same stretch. So this Chicago Bulls team has been playing better basketball. They've got wins over the Miami heat in that stretch, the Milwaukee bucks in that stretch. They've beat some good teams. This is a team that for whatever reason, without Zach Levine. And once again, maybe this is a red flag If you're the Lakers and you're considering putting together a massive trade and trying to get Zach Levine from the Bulls, who right now is out dealing with foot inflammation, that's not ideal either if you're interested in trading for him. But the fact that the Bulls have gotten better without him, maybe that's not a good side. Now, again, he's an incredibly talented player. I think he would help this Lakers team. But the Bulls, frankly, have been playing better without him. The Lakers are going to have to fight to win this game. This is not a Bulls team that is... Just a gimme win. And heck, are there gimme wins when you're losing to the San Antonio Spurs? Probably not. The Lakers are going to have to deal with a few things. Now, Lakers fans going in, DeMar DeRozan, okay, we expect that. We expect that that's something the Lakers fans, I think, are very familiar with, very understanding that, hey, DeMar DeRozan tends to play well against the Lakers. He's been a trade target for the Lakers in the past. He's probably going to be a factor in this game. Nikola Vucevic, a guy who's been an all-star in the NBA. he's He's got the ability to score the ball from the center position. Why, actually, I wouldn't hate the combination of Anthony Davis and Nikola Vucevic together. It's a much bigger trade because he, he's making like $18 million, but all right, maybe there's something there. But Nikola Vucevic is a guy that can fill it up as well. Has not shot the ball quite as well as he did in the past um, this season, but we know guys tend to shoot well <laughs> against the Lakers or just it feels like it. So Vuzovic, he's going to be a a force to be reckoned with. Alex Caruso is going to be a pest on the perimeter defensively. He's going to be pressuring our guy Austin Reeves. The internet may break. Twitter X will probably break when Alex Caruso is defending Austin Reeves um, for sheer awesomeness. And then the problem. It's Kobe White, ladies and gentlemen. It's Kobe White. And I know if you haven't been really following the NBA super close this year, You may not understand what Kobe White's been doing this season and why, if he goes and starts lighting up the Lakers, it's not necessarily completely out of the ordinary. He's been pretty good for the Bulls. He's putting up numbers, and that's going to be a challenge for this Lakers team. He's somebody that now you have to defend. Listen to this. Kobe White on the season averaging 18 points, He's he's playing 35 minutes a night, 18 points, five assists, four boards, and the dude is shooting 42% from three. 42% from behind the arc starting for the Chicago Bulls. He's taken it to another level this season. So we've seen the Lakers have trouble defending guards. Cam Reddish is probably going to draw this assignment against Kobe White. So when you look at the Bulls' roster, And you see DeMar DeRozan and you say, oh, he's somebody we have to pay attention to. Ah, Nikola Vucevic, that's somebody we have to pay attention to. Yes, you're right. But it's not just those two guys. As Zach Levine has gone down. He's now out of action. Wasn't having necessarily a great season by his standards anyway. Kobe White has been on the rise. And he's somebody that the Lakers are going to have to contend with. And then, of course, let's not forget our old friend Andre Drummond. This is a guy who is big, he's physical in the paint, and that's a skill set that the Lakers, frankly, don't have with Jackson Hayes and Christian Wood in the middle. So I'm not saying that that Drummond is going to go nuts on the Lakers. He's had success against them in the past, but in the 10 to 15 minutes that he tends to get on any given night, he's averaging 13.4 minutes uh, in the month of December right now. So it's not like he's going out there playing 30 minutes or anything. But as the backup to Busevich, Drummond can actually go in and give you some problems as well, simply because Jackson Hayes, if he's matched up with him, doesn't have the the strength, the, the physicality to deal with Drummond. Like Jackson Hayes is what, 220 pounds? Drummond is 280. Yeah, Jackson Hayes is much more of a pogo stick, much more athletic. There's no question. But keep an eye on that matchup too. That could become a bit of a challenge for the Lakers. So once again, All of this is not meant to be doom and gloom. The Lakers are the favorite going into this game. But the point, the point of this is that this is not the easy win that we may have thought it was on paper, especially heading into the season. Sometimes the narratives that get formed early on in the season, they stick. And I'm afraid that a lot of people still see the Bulls as this easy win and then a game that the Lakers should just chalk up as a W. That was what was going around early. If you haven't been paying attention to them since, and I don't fault you if you haven't been because they're an Eastern Conference team, they've been much better. They've been much better since then, unfortunately. I wish the Lakers had got them earlier when they were not playing good basketball. Now they are starting to turn things around. Once again, the Lakers are still the favorite. They're still the favorite. But this is going to be, I think, a bit more of a battle than perhaps what Lakers fans were hoping for. Again, I I, actually, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this winds up being a stress-free, easy win because, boy, we need one of those. I hope this is a 20 to 30-point Lakers blowout the entire way and we get to kick our feet up and relax. I'm just saying this is probably not going to be the case, though. This Bulls team is better than I think what the general narrative is uh, about them. So a lot of players to keep an eye on in this matchup for the Lakers side, of course. Can D'Angelo Russell bounce back? We're waiting. We've been waiting the whole month of December so far. Can Delo truly bounce back? He's been, uh, what, six, seven games now? He's been off, missed one of those games, but just has not been shooting quite as well. Can he get going in this one? The Lakers badly need his scoring. Their offensive production against the Knicks, it really let them down. Their offensive rating has slipped. They're now 24th in the NBA in offensive rating. It's holding them back. Their defense has been good. Their offense is killing them right now. The Lakers offense has got to start to find some success. A lot of that falls on D'Angelo Russell to start hitting some shots. Again, Austin Reeves has been picking it up. Not always the most efficient, which we were expecting, a little bit better efficiency out of Reeves. He's got to get going there as well. And then, of course, it's Rui Hachimura. I think the mask really is bothering him. He hasn't made as big of an impact as we hoped. He was a guy the Lakers were going to rely on getting 10 to 15 points a night on a consistent basis. I do think the mask is bothering him. He hasn't been quite as effective as we would hope either. So a number of guys that we're going to look for bounce-back performances here tonight for the Lakers. Hopefully, coming off these losses, we see the Lakers come out, play with fire, and get out there, get the job done in Chicago, understanding that in the big-picture context, you've got a very difficult week ahead. Not going to be simple. Going to be a tough week. And the Lakers have some very difficult matchups. It's so important. So important. I talk about this a lot. In the NBA, the important thing in order to get where you want to go in terms of playoff positioning, it's not beating all the best teams. It's beating the teams you're supposed to beat. So far this season, the Lakers had done a pretty good job until they dropped that game against the Spurs. And then they haven't been able to close out, make the big plays against your Dallas Mavericks, your New York Knicks of the world, the teams that are kind of middle of the pack in their conferences. You've not been able to get wins in those games either. Makes it all the more important that you get the job done. And you beat the Bulls tonight. All right. Uh, before we move on and uh, before we get into the mailbag, which I do have quite a bit to talk about there, a lot of comments coming in from fans after the Lakers lost to the Knicks. But before we get into the mailbag, we need to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Dewar. You know, Dewar jeans are absolutely fantastic. You want to be as polished, as comfortable as possible. That's why my doer jeans have become part of my daily wardrobe rotation. These jeans look sharp and they are incredibly comfortable. I can go out to dinner wearing these and they're not stiff. they're not difficult to wear, walk around in where you just you just feel uncomfortable throughout the night. They're not. they actually feel great. they're super easy to wear and they are literally my go-to jeans at this point, my doer jeans Absolutely are. They have temper temperature-regulating fabrics for all day and all-weather comfort, and they are sustainably crafted to last a long time, so they'll be a staple in my closet for years to come. I love my Dewar jeans. You will, too. They make a great holiday gift for you and for those on your list. Check out Dewar's flagst- flagship stores in L.A. or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Nation. Right now, my listeners get 15% off site-wide when you use the special URL shop duer.com slash Lakers Nation. You want to take advantage of this because Doer never goes on sale. Again, check them out. shopduer.com slash Lakers Nation. Again, I really do wear these jeans every day. <laughs> so go check them out. shopduer.com slash Lakers Nation. And let's give a shout out to our next sponsor that is Underdog underdog fantasy a great way to increase your enjoyment of the game to increase how invested you are in the game to how exciting the game can be it is the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry all you have to do is pick whether your favorite player will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big you can even do it for tonight's game, Lakers against Bulls. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night, pick between two and five players to build a pick entry. You can also do rivals picks, which pits two players against each other. Like, who's going to have the most points? I make—I don't know if this one is available. I'm making this up, but uh, Kobe White or D'Angelo Russell, who's going to have the most points in this game? You make your selection, and then you go from there. Really, really fun. Really cool and an exciting way to experience the game. So I really enjoy it. You can sign up today using our promo code LA- LakersNation. Get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. Don't forget to use that promo code LakersNation to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit gambling. Dot org. All right, we do need to get into the mailbag. By the way, um those of you noticing? Yes, new addition to the studio. Got the got the screen behind me now. I'm still figuring out exactly how I'm going to incorporate that in a, in our show. You can see we put up our advertisers' logos and things like that. Going to be doing all all kinds of things. I'm excited to use them for segments as well when we get into the live show for the Master Lock of the night. Uh, superstar in your role or star in your role, superstar of the night, all those sorts of things. But new addition to the to the studio. So I'm excited. Little things like that get, get me excited as we continue to try to up our game here at Lakers Nation. Podcast listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can check it out over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. All right, let's get into the mailbag. So some questions and comments coming in from fans. Um, these were coming after the Lakers lost to the Knicks. So there's a little bit of grumpiness in the air in these, and perhaps, let's face it, rightfully so. All right, let's start right here. Eddie said, <laughs> of course, we're starting with the trade. D'Lo, Rui, JHS for Grant and Theibel. You know, I, I say this every time when, when somebody suggests... You know, the Lakers go get Malcolm Brogdon or, or anybody from the Blazers. The Blazers have, in history, never made a trade with the Lakers. It's like a source of pride for them because they hate the Lakers. Um, so I don't expect that to change now. Uh, that said, if we suspend disbelief here and we assume that the Blazers will trade with the Lakers, do the Blazers, like, if you're the Blazers, I guess you're getting off of Grant's contract. So that helps. He's got, got a big $160 million deal. Flip that, if you're the Lakers, do you want to be the team paying Jeremy Grant? I, I think he's a great player. Certainly wouldn't mind him, but it's the same conversation that we have with Zach Levine. Do you want to be the team paying him that money? Theibel, I think, is it would be a nice fit as well. I know he reigns threes against the Lakers. I don't know that he's quite that good of a shooter, but he did get hot against the Lakers. Uh, but D'Lo... Rui and JHS two point guards in there. Remember the Blazers have Scoot Henderson. They've got Anthony Simons. They've got they've got guards. Um, I don't know like if you're the main attraction here for the Blazers would be JHS right they are a young team. They're rebuilding. They want to get assets moving forward. D'Lo he's got a player option. Let's face it is D'Lo very likely to stay in Portland. Probably not. He probably opts out so he can go somewhere else where he can Number one, play more, and number two, contend, uh, and then Rui Hachimura. Maybe he he sticks, and maybe they, he's got some appeal in Portland. He's still young enough, but JHS would be the main lure here, the main draw, and he plays the same position as the guy that the Blazers drafted. So I think that's a little bit of a challenge right there for for Portland. Um, from the Lakers side again, it's it's is Grant that guy that you want to burn your your draft capital on or your. Uh, yeah, draft capital in JHS, but also your tradable salaries in DLO and Rui. For I don't know if I, I don't know if I would do that one personally, just because of Grant's contract. Again, if I'm wary of doing that for Zach Levine, I'm I'm going to be wary of doing that for Jeremy Grant as well. Um, that said, no picks involved in this. You'd have to consider just like with Zach Levine, you'd have to consider it if he's in there. And that's the price to go get somebody like that. I think you got to consider it. And if the Lakers' offense continues to struggle as much as it has, I can see the appeal of like adding a bucket getter like Levine or like Jeremy Grant. ASAP Mamba. Why pay Rui 50 million to play 17 minutes just so Prince can play more than him? LOL. What does Prince do better besides shoot? Rui shot great in the playoffs and is shooting good this year. Well, Rui has has been known to pick his game up for the postseason, so I don't think you expect him to... um, to shoot great during the regular season. Prince has had it going from deep. Between the two, if we look at regular season stats, he's the Prince has been the better shooter um, in terms of their career. But I get it. I get the, the frustration. Like, why does Rui not play more? Why shouldn't Rui play more minutes than Prince? And we've seen those minutes kind of flip-flop a few times. But I think part of it is Prince is a little bit more mobile defending on the perimeter. Rui gives you a little bit more size in the paint. But Rui hasn't been quite as as physical or aggressive rebounding the basketball since he's had his injury, which I guess makes sense. He's wearing a mask. He's got a broken nose. That probably doesn't feel great. But I think the point still stands. Yes, you'd like to see Rui in a bigger role. I'd like to see him step up a bit more, scoring the ball more, doing some more things for you, and seeing Prince get all of these minutes and then shoot, what was it, three for 13 from deep against the Knicks? Probably a little frustrating, but once again, I think there's they're not the same player. They're different, especially defensively. Prince, uh, a little bit more agile, agile, a little bit more mobile, a little bit more capable of defending uh, a quicker player, and I think that came into play against the Knicks. That said, Prince, it's not like he's a good defensive player. Can make an argument to go for Rui, too. Eric, do you think D'Lo, Rui, Reeves, JHS in a first and a first-round pick swap for Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Tristan Thompson would work, or the Cavs want more. Much more. Much more. Oh, wait. Reeves is in that too? I missed that. D'Lo, Rui, Reeves, JHS, a first and a pick swap. Uh, I don't know what Donovan Mitchell is going to cost to go get. I know the Cavs gave up a ton to get him. They're going to want a ton back. That's uh, that's kind of the kitchen sink offer, right, from the Lakers' perspective. If it didn't have Reeves in it, I would say JHS, it's an eye of the beholder thing. Is he, worth, is he a first or not? But JHS, a first, and a, his two firsts basically and a pick swap, D'Lo and Rui. I think if you're getting Karis Levert too, Tristan Thompson's not going to be, I mean, I get the appeal, but, you know, there's not a lot of value coming there. I'm not like saying, oh, you have to add an extra first because Tristan Thompson in it or something. It's mostly it's Mitchell, but Karis LeVert being in there too. If it didn't have Reeves, I would say other teams could would probably beat that offer. But this is really the Lakers kind of going all in to get Donovan Mitchell um, to L.A. And maybe that's what it would take. Uh, He's a really good player. I would rather... This is not a hot take. I'd rather have Donovan Mitchell than, than Zach Levine. I don't know if the Lakers will be willing to move Austin Reeves or not. Everything we've heard so far is that they won't. Maybe in a Donovan Mitchell deal, they would. But I think this is the type of deal that it would take to get the Lakers to go all in because then you could talk yourself into, okay, Donovan Mitchell, LeBron AD after LeBron it's Donovan Mitchell and AD that we're building our team around. This is given up a lot of your depth. Rui D'Lo, Reeves, JHS, I know he's not a lot of depth right now, but he's you know a player for the future, plus future draft capital, but man, to put Donovan Mitchell, LeBron and AD together, that that could be a really really good team. Um I'd be a little worried that you're you're missing some ball handling. You your team is certainly not complete once you do this deal. But Value-wise, that may be what it costs to get Donovan Mitchell. I'll tell you what, though. You don't do this deal unless Donovan Mitchell is telling you, I will stay. Because he's got one more year under contract, and then he has a player option. If you had a sense that Donovan Mitchell wasn't thrilled about becoming a Laker, which I I don't know if that's the case or not, but if it was a, hey, we're going to get a season and a half of Donovan Mitchell, and then he's out, you're not doing this. But if it's Donovan Mitchell saying, hey, I want to stay long-term, and the Cavs, I don't know if they're ready to trade him, but if the Cavs say, we're, we're ready to make a move here, man, it's tempting to put him, LeBron, and AD together. But again, I think the Lakers would fight tooth and nail to keep Austin Reeves out of it. Um, December D'Lo, 10 points, 2 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.6 steals, 1.6 turnovers, 27% from three. 40% from the field. We know he's a streaky player. I don't know. Perhaps fatigue is hitting him. We've talked about how difficult the Lakers schedule has been, how grueling it's been in the month of December. Maybe that's getting to him because d he's not been good. Seven-day sports. Oh, doesn't like me. Trevor losing mentality. We keep with this, not swinging for the big fences. You'll lose every time. Please stop it. I, I'm guessing that was in response to, I'm assuming I was responding to a trade uh, rumor or trade hypothetical situation where I talked about not necessarily having to make the big move if you're the Lakers, but instead looking for the move on the margins. You know, I think looking at this Lakers team right now, yes, we're gonna focus on three point shooting, but I can't I, I even if the Lakers went and got a, a three point sniper, even to go get Buddy Heald say. How confident are you that his three point percentage isn't just going to drop when he becomes a Laker anyway? I mean, look at what Malik Beasley's suddenly doing with the Bucks. Look at what Lonnie Walker is doing, and Lonnie shot well from three for the Lakers, but still, this Lakers curse, Lakers tax, whatever it is, I don't, I don't know how real it is, but it sure feels like you can't bank on a shooter coming to LA and still shooting well. So I don't know if, if I'm the Lakers, if I'm looking at what I need, this team needs. Shooting is one, one thing. I don't know that I'm looking at that skill set and saying, just go get me a shooter. I think I'm prioritizing other things and hoping that you get a guy that can shoot in addition to doing some other stuff. I think you could use a point of attack defender at the guard position. I think you could use another guy who can put the ball in the basket, a bucket getter. I think you could use another big. A true, physical, bruising, big-bodied center. That's something else this team could certainly use. I don't know that you have to go blow up your roster to go get that thing, though. If it's Donovan Mitchell, uh, okay, that's one thing. If it's Zach Levine, maybe you're even willing to part with multiple guys to go get him. But are there other ways that, like, if you just need somebody who can get buckets, what does it cost to go get Jordan Clarkson? What does it cost to get DeMar DeRozan? What does it cost to get a score-first player like that that could get hot in a game and get you a win? Now, are they the same caliber of Donovan Mitchell, of Zach Levine? No, of course not. But could those guys help you? Could they check that box without having to break the bank and go all in, all the assets, everything, to go get this player? And I don't know if that's going to be the case with Zach Levine, but you get my point. Same thing with the center position. Does that mean you have to go get Nikola Vucevic and spend up now, what's the cost to get Andre Drummond? What's the cost to get a number of other centers who just can protect the rim a little bit, can help you out on the boards? Do you have to go get the the big-time name? Is it, I, I mentioned Jonas Valanciunas. I don't think the Pelicans will trade with the Lakers, but you could probably spend a decent amount to go get him, or is there a cheaper version you can get that allows you to keep the bulk of your roster together, not make a major change, given that we have seen this team as presently constructed, step up and win the in-season tournament. We know when this team is properly motivated how good they can be. So sometimes we get caught up in the moment and the Lakers, they've won one of their last four. That's not good. That's concerning. That's frustrating. And so the knee-jerk reaction is make all the moves. Make a big move because this team's in trouble. I don't know if four games is enough to really land in that place. Where it's, oh my gosh, we have to go do something big. And I know that's always the sexier thing, right? On the trade market. Hey, the Lakers are going to go get this guy. This big time, this big name. But we've seen where the big name doesn't always pan out. That's all I'm saying. This Lakers team has shown they can win with what they've got. I think there's there's holes to be filled here. There's holes to be filled. There's, There's things to be fixed. I don't know that those things that you need to fix need to be the expensive version of those things to go get. The, the, the store brand version may do just fine in this situation. That's all I'm getting at. And again, if it's if it's the right deal, if it's the right deal, if it, the value is right, maybe you do make that big swing. Just saying, I don't know that the Lakers are at a point where they have to make that big move right now if you can just fill some of those skill sets that they're lacking with more cost effective versions of those those things scoring a big things like that okay greg said we just go through the motion 75 percent of the time well unless there's five hundred thousand dollars at stake and you know that's perhaps the more unseemly part of all this is we saw the lakers really turn it up really play hard during the tournament, show you how good they can be, and then once there's $500,000 is not on the line anymore, they've won it, they slide back. And I talked about this. I talked about this a lot. They had to. You don't want them to play at that insane level all season long with that kind of effort because you're not going to last. You're going to burn out. You're holding down the turbo button for too long. You're going to run out way before you hit the playoffs if you tried to do that. But it's still, it's maybe a little disconcerting when suddenly they're not playing nearly as hard and what's the difference? Well, $500,000 isn't on the line anymore. I get that's kind of a little bit icky, right? But that said, we knew there was going to be a step back in terms of the energy, the the effort, the intensity, that that had to, it had to take a step back. The hope was that it wouldn't fall back quite this far, though. That they would land, there would be more of a middle ground. Unfortunately, it's really slid a lot. That needs to change tonight against Chicago. The Knicks out out competed the Lakers. They out hustled the Lakers. The Knicks deserved to win that game. For being honest, they looked like they wanted to win more than the Lakers did. They made the big plays. The Lakers need to step it up, not to the same level as the tournament, but they got to step it up a bit more than where they're at. Brandon team can't withstand a lazy LeBron. He needs to be better. You know, LeBron does so many great things for this team, but the team's energy is very dependent upon LeBron's energy. And that's not how it should be. LeBron's 39 and what, a week? That's not how it should be. The energy setter, the tone setter should not be the 39-year-old. But let's face it, during the tournament, when LeBron was really stepping up defensively, really pushing down on the gas pedal, everybody else did too. LeBron takes a foot off a little bit. Everybody else does too. It's the way it goes. They've got to try to break that habit, but it's been a thing ever since LeBron arrived in L.A. ASAP Mamba said, stop babying AD. Are we babying Anthony Davis. We lost to the Spurs because of that. Oh, because they didn't play Anthony Davis against the Spurs. Yeah, that's fair. Now we lose tonight. What was the point of that on Friday? We must win the games you're supposed to. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, in hindsight, you play AD against the Spurs and you rest him against the Knicks. And that tends to be more my strategy. And I've talked about this. The games where you know if you play your best guys, you are very, very likely to get a win. I, I want that win. I want to bank that win. The teams that are better fits the Knicks. You can play your best guys, as we saw, and still not come away with the win. Maybe you play your best guys, and it's a 55% chance that you get a win. The most important thing is banking the win. Now, in the ideal world, of course, it's you rest your guys against the bad teams. You win anyway, and you give yourself a 55% chance, shot of beating the Knicks or 60%, whatever it is, whatever you want to put it at. Maybe it's less. That's the ideal situation. That's what the Lakers win for. But it's also, also the more risky strategy because you put yourself in a position where you accidentally lose the game that you're supposed to win and then you still lose the game when you've got all your guys playing against the better team. That's exactly what happened for the Lakers. Yes, I am I am more of the mindset that you secure the win in the game, games you were supposed to. If you're going to rest guys, rest them against one of the best teams because there's a decent chance that you can play Well, play all your guys and still lose that game. So secure the win. Play your guys against the bad teams. If you're going to take a rest game, rest them against the better team. Now, in terms of building a team, though, there's another element of this beyond just stacking wins. In terms of building your team up and getting your team experience that's going to be important come the playoffs against the best teams in the NBA, that's something that comes up short. With my strategy that I'm explaining here, which by the way, I think was a big part of the tournament too. One of the benefits of it, anyway, was getting the team experience playing playoff intensity basketball. I think that's going to be an important thing for the tournament. But anyway, ASAP Mamba, I agree. Uh, Rama said almost all of our losses this season have been winnable. We should really have 20 wins, to be honest. I mean, the Lakers been blown out a few times. He got blown out by the Rockets, got blown out by the 76ers. But case in point, I mean, they could have two wins over Dallas right now. they dropped dropping this game to the Knicks. And this is where their offense really hurts them. I mean, we saw it against the Knicks. The Lakers, once they finally started getting stopped, they couldn't capitalize. They could not score the ball efficiently enough to catch back up. It felt like when the Knicks are up six or whatever, that felt like a, a mountain to climb. The Lakers just can't put the ball in the basket at an efficient enough rate. And look, they did a decent job generating shots. They got wide-open looks for Torian Prince from three that if he gets enough of those, he's going to make plenty of them. But he didn't against the Knicks. And it was just an unfortunate circumstance there. But the Lakers' offense has let them down. It's let them down, and it's prevented them from getting wins that, frankly, they should. That's a big issue right now. You can't be... You can't have a top 10 defense and be 24th in offensive rating and expect to win a championship. No, you got to be 15th or better in offensive rating. Then you're a championship caliber team. Then you're a team that can give anybody a run. Your offense can't be this bad. It's killing them. It's absolutely killing them. It's been the inability to make threes, the inability to convert on enough shots, the inability to get to the to hit enough free throws. They've gotten to the line a little bit, but the Knicks actually got more free throws than they did. You've got to get more efficient on the offensive end. You just have to. Uh, Joel says, thoughts on if the Lakers can grab Clarkson slash Olenek? Yeah, those could definitely be targets for the Lakers. And it would make sense. You get a center, not not a big body rim protector, physical guy, but Olenek can hold his own in there. And he's got the ability to shoot from outside, so that's interesting. There's some skill set duplication for sure with Christian Wood and Kelly Olenek. So you got to be, if you're going to go get Kelly Olenek, I think you're kind of saying, "All right, Christian Woods' shot isn't going to come around for us, at least, and he's not going to play the way we want him to." So that's the concern there with Olenek, but he's he's got a history of going nuts against the Lakers. So I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. And then Jordan Clarkson, our old friend, we know he can score the basketball, and the Lakers need somebody who can just flat out put the ball in the basket right now. Now, is he the ideal fit? Is he taking the ball out of the hands of Austin? Is he taking it out of the hands of D'Lo? If Gabe Vincent returns, can he be that role? I mean, he is coming back tonight against the Bulls. That's the other piece to this. What if Gabe Vincent's offense is much better than what we saw the beginning of the season in the first four games that he played? Because, frankly, it's probably going to be. It can't get much worse. What if Gabe Vincent fills that role? And this is why, as much as we look at this Lakers team and, oh my gosh, they're 1-3 in their last four, and this is so frustrating, it is. but. The Lakers, I don't believe they're ready to make a move right now at this moment. I think they will be ready to make a move probably mid-January, probably by the time Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves are trade eligible, January 15th. That's probably about when they'll have a better sense of what this team actually has and what they don't. Because once again, you haven't seen Gabe Vincent really with this team. Jared Vanderbilt is still operating it. I don't know, maybe 75%. He didn't put a number on it, but he's clearly not 100%. Rui's been in and out of the lineup. Now he's diminished, wearing this face mask that's clearly bugging him. It's hard to know exactly what this team is just yet. And so I don't think even if if Jordan Clarkson is on the table right now for the Lakers to go get, yeah, they need more scoring. But what if Gabe Vincent fills that role? Now, is Clarkson the better scorer between the two? Yes. But if you go get Jordan Clarkson, you're probably giving up Gabe Vincent to go get him anyway. What if you didn't need to? What if it was on the roster? You just weren't patient enough. That's the other thing that you have to consider. Once you make the move, it's done. No takebacks. So I think the Lakers need a little bit more time to figure out what they need. And again, I think there's some things that they glaringly do need. But I think it's going to be a few more weeks before they're quite ready to do a deal. And it may be a deadline deal. February 8th, trade deadline. That may be when the price is right for them to get something done. All right, Lakers Nation, once again, thank you for joining me here on the LakersNation.com podcast. Make sure you do subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and review. Great way to help out the show. Thank you again, everybody. Till next time. See you and stay safe.